Hi, I'm Kirsten. I'm Andrew. And this is Most Foul Bonus. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this bonus episode. We're so excited to talk to you about Mayor of Easttown. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And also, by the time this comes out, it's not that old for us in this moment, in this recorded history time capsule. It might be older for you whenever it uh, reaches the um, the internet. Yes, yes. But, I mean, it's so good that I think it's one of those things that just gets deeper the, the more time you have to kind of ruminate on it. And it's really been living in my head rent-free for a while. Yeah, I mean... Just right off the bat, Kate Winslet. Astounding. What? I mean, I've loved her for such a long time, but I feel like her career hasn't been um, super active, super acclaimed, at least in the last few years. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, she's kind of gone back and forth between kind of popular darling and then more critically acclaimed and her work choices have been a little bit all over the place. But I feel like she was mayor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the opening scene, oh, wait, we didn't say spoilers. So. Oh, yeah. All the spoilers. If you have not watched it, please turn off the podcast. Go watch it immediately from start to finish and then come back and pick up where you left off. Yes, 100% agree. (laughs) So having said that, in the opening scene, I felt like as I was watching it and it it opens on Kate's back and it felt like a gimmick, right? Because if you have any awareness of what you're about to see, you kind of have a very strong hunch that you're looking at the back of Kate Winslet, but the talking that is coming out is not Kate Winslet at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so there's that dissonance and it definitely felt a little gimmicky. And part of me was like, come on. But at the same time, it was such a profound, it had such a profound way of taking you out and being like, okay, this is not Kate Winslet. And I feel like she She is an actress who's done a good job with American accents. This hyper-regional accent, though, I sort of expected it not to be great. And it was, like, legitimately good. A new person speaking. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I'm an expert on that particular accent. And I know having lived in New England and specifically in Boston for many, many years, when I know that a movie is going to be set in Boston, I prepare myself mentally for hating that aspect of the movie. Um, So, you know, I can't speak for people who are from that area. And listeners, if you are from that area, we would love to hear what you think about the accents of, you know, all of the characters. From my perspective, it was it was hyper realistic. And actually, that phrase is something that I would use for the entire series. I felt like I was Mm -hmm. watching real life, like it had almost a feel of a documentary. So aside from Kate being astonishing in the role, there was something even as an avid true crime follower, true crime watcher, mystery watcher. There was something that felt so incredibly fresh about this show from the perspective of women Mm -hmm. and from the perspective 
of mothers. So often women are just dead bodies or sex objects in these types of shows. Mm -hmm. So to have the vast majority of the show center around women that were fully developed characters, I felt was like really refreshing in the genre. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And and particularly as it moved through and then came to a conclusion, it just, yeah, it really felt like storytelling of women by women for women in a way. I mean, I don't think that you have to be a woman to enjoy it, but it definitely felt like it was meant to speak to a particular audience on a different level. So did you did you sort of like as an avid viewer have the expectation that this was going to be about someone else or about the missing girls? I don't think that I went into it really with a lot of expectation. I think just because of the title, you know, I'm expecting it to center around her. But I was pleasantly surprised at how much kind of richness there was in all of the character stories, including the missing girls. You know, I think those are characters that often are really glossed over or are, you know, caricatures or archetypes. And they really felt like fully realized characters with flaws, flaws and all, you know, but yeah. So, I mean, I think part of what I like and a lot of the things that I like most that I watch are things that I had the least expectation about. And this was one of those. I really didn't know much and I intentionally didn't read too much because I think I mentioned to you before, I I am kind of a contrarian. And so sometimes if I know too much about something or I have a sense that it's very popular and all the people, all the people are you know, into it, then something in me kind of shuts down and I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm above that. And so I didn't want to activate any of that bullshit in my psyche. So I just kind of was like, okay, it's Kate Winslet. It's a gritty kind of mystery. I'm all in. Well, and I, I don't believe the show was written for Kate Winslet, but just on paper, Kate Winslet was the state basketball champion does not work. Mm-hmm. I mean, on paper, so much of it doesn't work, right? In the show, I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, small town claim to fame, staying in that town, like, the pride she has, but also the embarrassment. I was like, this is incredibly real for someone. Yeah. I mean, all of it and the relationships. And then, you know, of course, afterwards, I did a lot of reading about the show. And I came to learn that a lot of the casting decisions or or ideas were were suggestions from Kate based on people she had worked with in the past. So Guy Pierce was someone she had worked with in the past and she recommended him and boom. And then also, I forget the actress who played her best friend, but that is one of her good friends in real life. And she recommended her for that role as well. And I mean, that relationship, yeah, she was amazing. That relationship was incredible. Like I'm actually getting little tingles in my arms just thinking about it because I think we talked about it. The second to the last scene or the kitchen scene at the end. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, I don't want to give away too much in terms of, I know we said spoilers, but if there's any chance that people are like watching it and just the kitchen scene, I mean, I feel like that's all you have to say. And it's so evocative. 
So Lori was played by Julianne Nicholson. Yes, yes. And when I would say, like, the performance of a lifetime for her. Yeah. That was incredible acting. The the situations her character was in, the motivations, the scene, the kitchen scene, like... And again, I did not grow up in that region of the country, but I feel like I grew up in a similarly depressed environment. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I know these families too. I mean, they're different. They're like Southern rednecky versions, but like, it's like, these are real people that have been captured in this fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, you and I didn't grow up in the same part of the country, but similarly, like, small town. And to me, I felt like this captures all of that, you know, knowing all of the cops because you grew up together and knowing this one and knowing everyone's business. And but I feel like that is that has is talked about in a lot of movies or books or it's kind of a trope, right? The small town life. But I don't know. This movie or this series got it in a way that I've never seen captured before, ever. It just, all the little nuances, you know, of small town life and what makes it really great. And from my perspective, you know, was a nice way to grow up, but also makes it really oppressive at times. Not everything was perfect. I, I think we'll have a few criticisms as well, but like... It got so much right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, I just enjoyed it so thoroughly. And yeah, there were things that, you know, you and I were watching as we were watching and texting back and forth, like, oh, can you believe this? And I think a big one for me was everything about her partner. Like, I didn't fully understand that. And I'm, I can't remember, what was his name? Zabel. Zabel. You know, But I think in a weird backwards way, it's almost a testament to what a good job Kate did and the series did and the writers did in making her believable that that kind of like hinting at a possible love match there was so unbelievable because she's Kate Winslet. Of course, a guy in his young in his early 30s would be interested in her in real life. But it was they did such a good job of turning her into this average middle-aged mom, like downtrodden, blah, blah, that when that was kind of hinted at, I was like, what? No, like, no, this is not believable. (laughs) Yeah. I was surprised to see Evan Peters in the first place. I didn't know he was in it. Yeah. Um, And I I thought he did a really good job as Zabel. He did. Um, And I think they crafted such an interesting narrative, especially toward the end of his character with um, admitting the truth that he wasn't the hero and he had that mantle thrust upon him and he never corrected anyone. Yeah. And then sort of the juxtaposition that he got to die. Sorry. Die a hero. (laughs) But yeah, I, I was right there with you where it was like, oh, I don't know about him and Mare. I guess there was like a whole aspect of maybe like, his relationship with his mother. Like, maybe there was something there that we were supposed to pick up about, like, him being drawn to a more motherly figure like Mare in this show. But I I was still like, I just don't see... Like, he's attractive. Yeah. It's It's hard to imagine him 
going for the character Zabel going for mayor. Yes, agreed. And is again, I think it's an interesting kind of topsy turvy thing though, because usually it's a scenario where an actor in real life would have no chance if they weren't an actor. You know, so like the schlubby husband who has a hot wife kind of thing on sitcoms. But in this case, it was like in real life, they are totally like hot and attractive. And I could see them together in real life. But the characters, they embodied them so well. And I mean, kudos to the makeup department because Kate Winslet looked haggard as fuck in a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like did they just not put makeup on her or did they put like haggard makeup on her? Like she didn't necessarily look older. She just looked tired and, you know, she looked like a more typical, you know, 40 something mom. She didn't look like Kate Winslet. Yeah. So I, I found all of that interesting, but the end result was it, it took me out of the story, you know, because of all of that. And and then also I think just kind of wondering, what was the purpose of Zabel and and was he really used to like the greatest effect that character you know like the story felt truncated and and how did it really in the end add to Mare's story you know that that didn't feel completely tied up to me I felt like it allowed her to get closer to her son's death Mm -hmm. even though it was set up like romantically, at least a little bit from his perspective, I felt like, well, one, his acknowledging that the hero thing was fake and Mm -hmm. sort of, I think there was camaraderie there. And then with his death, it was so close to home. It was all connected. I I think it was a path for her to continue with her therapist. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I I think that was one of the only areas. Uh, I didn't love her daughter. Mm. Uh, Some of those scenes, I just don't know why we needed them. Mm -hmm. I I felt like her storyline. But it was still worth it for the breakdown. When you find out like what really happened in the attic in that day, the relationship with she and Mare, the things that were unsaid. So I don't think it was wasted that we spent so much time with Siobhan. But I was like, why are we so invested in this, like, C storyline? Yeah. And I guess that is one of the things, like, if I compare it to a show like, or a series like Broadchurch, which I really loved, and a lot of people have compared this to Broadchurch, you know, a series like Broadchurch did a little bit better job of weaving the different threads together. This one felt like the fabric was a little coarse and not really expertly woven. I mean, to use that metaphor, and I think some of it, too, is, you know, typically, again, my mode would be to be watching Mare in three years when all the hoopla had died down. I wouldn't have followed the hoopla. I wouldn't, you know, I'd just be watching it off on my own on an island and experiencing it in solitude, like, you know, socially. And I wonder if my experience of it would have been any different because part of like all of the hype and the articles that were coming out, like as you're watching it in real time are around whodunit, right? And it is a whodunit. Mm -hmm. And like when you look at it through that harsh filter, then you're looking at all of the sub storylines as 
is this a clue? Is this a red herring? Instead of like letting it wash over you and like experience it just for what it is and not as what is this portend for the end, you know? So Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I wonder about that, but yeah, the, the coming together of the sub storylines didn't feel quite as like graceful as it could have. But I was, I was suspecting Siobhan. So I was thinking, uh, there could have been some red herring attempts there. And then toward the end, the grief, the growth of Mare for her daughter to leave and to go away to college. Uh, like, there were a lot of things where I was like, okay, this all makes sense for us to have known for the realness of Mare. Yeah. Even if I didn't love spending all of that time in Siobhan's storyline. After knowing the ending knowing who killed Aaron, I was surprised at how obviously it was shown. Mm. Also reading articles, but looking back, like, they set it up pretty well. I didn't even pay attention that we got so much storyline with Ryan. Yeah. Like, it, it was just sort of happening to the side in a way that obviously I was like, well, Guy Guy Pierce, like, he either absolutely did it or is absolutely a red herring. <laughs> yeah. Why is he here? But, like, we we actually got a lot of storyline with Ryan that I didn't even notice happened. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting because he is, in some ways, kind of an obvious choice in a law and order, rip from the headlines kind of way that I think a lot of people would expect. But the way that they presented the stories and and I think kind of the assumptions that were built into the way they started the story and the setting and the characters, I don't know. He just didn't jump out as obvious. And in the articles that I read, he was probably listed, but was way down in the odds. Well, because all of his storyline seemed as though it was Lori and her husband's storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even like... Well, one, the conversation, like, you can't tell your mother about this. Like, knowing that those scenes happened after the murder right. was like, whoa. And then even the lunch scene where he hits that kid yeah, who is bullying um, his sister, like, it, it all felt like it was Lori and her husband's affair storyline. Like, I... It, Like, we were seeing it through Ryan, but I was not paying attention to Ryan. And maybe I was just a bad viewer, but in retrospect, thinking about how they set it up, that it was pretty obvious the whole way around once you know what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it was shielded by this kind of double leap in the sense that it's a leap for most people to imagine a child doing something that heinous, right? But then there's a double leap of... There's that, and then there's incest. So in order for there to be a motive, you have to mentally go to a place where there's been incest, which most people, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not at the top of their list of things that they imagine about a scenario. So it was like a double thing. It's like, you know, for the motive to be there, you have to imagine this heinous thing, and then the motive is established, and now imagine another heinous thing. Um, But as soon as there was that scene where she caught him saying, like, don't tell, I knew, like, okay, something is rotten in the house of whatever the fuck they were called. Um, Because, yeah, that's always 
ominous, and I was definitely suspicious about who the affair was with. I I didn't think Aaron until the very end, but I I was yeah that whole setup seemed very fishy to me. Yeah, and then just it would be impossible to talk about Mayor of Easttown without the Queen, Jean Smart. <laughs> I mean, I love that woman with a passion. (laughs) And I don't know if you've seen it, but she has another HBO show, Hacks. No, I haven't seen her in anything since Designing Women, which, like, is before your time, literally. It probably debuted the year that you were born or something like that. But I was all about that show. Well, I know all about the sugar bakers. (laughs) I love that show. She is like HBO's actress in residence right now. Oh, wow. She was incredible in Watchmen. She was incredible in this. She's phenomenal in Hacks. I'm like, I am so happy she is getting her... Do Yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder, really, why? Why some people have the careers that they have and why others don't. And I was thinking that about um, the actress who played Lore, too, Juliana Nichols, um, or Julianne Nichols. She's an amazing actress, and I have appreciated her work for a really long time. I mean, as a, as a character actress, really, I guess. But why, you know, she's got so much talent, obviously, Jean Smart. And I mean, there are a lot of people that fall into that category. And then just by, you know, luck, it seems at times they get these kind of vehicles, which allow them to really show what they can do. And it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, just in the designing women range, I if, as long as it's something she wants, I would love to see Annie Potts have a moment too. Yes, yes, the two of them. I mean, and I mean Annie Potts though. I feel like, and again, this is going back before your time, but I feel like she had some moments in the eighties. You know, with her, it wasn't just designing women. I mean, she was in Ghostbusters and she was in Pretty in Pink, and you know, so she had some things and and from my perspective, was more well-known. But until, I guess, recently, I don't know what else Jean Smart did. You know, she didn't have even, like, a quasi-moment back in the 80s. It was pretty much, from what I understand, designing women and then, I don't know, maybe some made-for-TV movies and things like that. But, yeah, I love Annie Potts, too. I mean, I would love to see designing women, like, reboot or, yeah, I would I would watch both of them in pretty much anything. But with Jean, I mean, the character in general was incredible. The ways in which she was establishing her relationship with the great-grandson's mother. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to be nice to her because I can't lose him. Yeah. I I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Um, Whoever showed her how to do Fruit Ninja on that iPad... (laughs) And then just the light moment of pulling out the frozen mi- mixed vegetables and chocolate syrup and then <laughs> opening it up to ice cream. It was like such a sitcom cliche, but in that moment felt so true. Yes. <laughs> and then the whole side thing about her having had an affair with the other guy at the <laughs> wife's funeral. I mean, 
again, in in my opinion, those were like the little touches that were so perfectly small town because that's the kind of shit that happens like for real in small towns. And it seems it seems sitcommy, but until you know what it's like to live in a town with the same five thousand people, you know. I mean, just imagine, like, the same 5,000 people mixing over and over and over for 60 years. Like, eventually weird stuff happens and weird connections are formed and broken apart. And, yeah, it, it just was perfect in that way. The way that Mayor laughed in the car on the way home after the affair was exposed, <laughs> also incredible. <laughs> And I don't know who is the vape choreographer, (laughs) but Kate Winslet was working that vape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, again, I felt like it was hyper-realistic. It felt at times like watching a documentary. All of the relationships felt so authentic. The dialogue felt very real and not, not, you know, showy or... Um, unnatural. It just, yeah, all of it felt very realistic, but not in a, in the best possible way of that. You know, I mean, I think that you could do that in a way that almost would seem like a mockumentary. It didn't have that feel at all. It just felt very, very real. And then I know we're skipping a ton, but fast forwarding and toward the end, well, one mayor's journey with the therapy i did not expect her to try like Mm -hmm. it was like court mandated therapy i thought that she was going to half-ass it a lot of attitude Mm -hmm. but those they were external because she was speaking to the therapist but those monologues of her in therapy like showing us who she was the insights into her i also thought were wonderful yeah I mean, I'm a sucker for a good therapy show. I loved in treatment and I could watch stage therapy forever. Um, so I really enjoyed those scenes. But yeah, I I also was not expecting expecting her to really be able to go there. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting. But finding out, I mean, one that she sent Siobhan to check on her son. Mm-hmm. And Siobhan had to be the one to find him hanging. And then, oh my God, the scene and Mare going up into the attic. Yeah. And even the way the therapist was like, can you, you still live in this house? Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, what choice does she have? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you don't get to just move because you want to or because it should be the thing that you do. Like, that part felt so real. Mm -hmm. So then you you realize how Mare had to cut her son down and how he landed on her and she couldn't move. And then to then counter mirror that with Lore in the kitchen and the way Lore collapsed on her. Yeah. Incredible storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. That, That scene just... Yeah. Overall, just an incredible effort. Definitely. I mean, in terms of recommendations, I mean, I would recommend it so highly. I wouldn't give it like five stars or 10 stars or whatever the, you know, range just because 
you know, I try to save that for like earth shattering, but I mean, still it was among the best of its kind that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Just so good. Well, I know there's more we could say, and I know there's a whole storylines we didn't even touch on, but listeners, if you have any favorite, absolute favorite moments or things that you thought stood out as incredible, just send them to us. It would be really interesting to see what you think as well. Yeah, definitely. Share your thoughts on it because we love talking about stuff like this. Yes. Or recommendations for other shows that you felt are as good or better. Definitely. I mean, uh, if there are things out there that are of this caliber that I haven't seen, I want to know about them. Well, listener, we appreciate the hell out of you. 100%. Thanks for listening to Most Foul. If you've got a tip for a future episode topic or want to send us your own inciting incident for a mini episode, visit our website at mostfoulpod.com and write in. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. That really affects the algorithm and helps people find the show. Plus, if you write a review and give us five stars, we'll read it on the podcast. And who doesn't want that? This has been a Facts from Janet production.